Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. By Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 648. A few weeks ago, we were in the Galapagos Islands, where, among other things, we saw blue-footed boobies, red-footed boobies, Nazca boobies, and brown pelicans. But we did not see any brown boobies or white pelicans. But Elias Marquis Ratner in New York City saw both of those species very recently in New York. Elias happens to be one of our Talking Birds ambassadors, our youngest ambassador, in fact, at age seven. And he says, on Saturday we saw an amazing rare bird. We drove from my grandma's house in Long Island to Lake Montauk, near the eastern tip of the island. When we arrived, we saw a boat on the lake. When we looked through our binoculars, we saw a brown booby. This bird has been seen at Lake Montauk for a few weeks, perching on the same mast of the same boat. It was probably blown off course by the recent hurricanes. It's an amazing bird. Then when we left, we had a nice sighting of a clay-colored sparrow. A few weeks ago, we had another great sighting of an unusual visitor. At the wonderful Jamaica Bay Wildlife Refuge, we found an American white pelican. It was a beautiful large bird and was standing in the middle of the pond for a long time. I took a photo of it, which we are sending to you. On another trip to Jamaica Bay last week, we saw an American avocet and a Hudsonian godwit, plus the usual shorebirds, ducks, and swans. That's the report from our friend Elias there in New York City. Elias's dad says that he and Elias are making their way through much of the archive of our show, while Elias continues to spread the word about the program to his friends and classmates. And if you check out our Talking Birds Facebook page after the show today, you'll see Elias's white pelican photo, along with a photo of the brown booby on that sailboat mast at Lake Montauk. Thanks, Elias, and thank you, Patrick. Extra, extra, read all about it. Here are some of the stories and videos we have for you on our Facebook page this week. Do you have trouble telling American crows and common ravens apart? Yes. Tim is nodding. It happens. Well, we have some help with that. Thanks to our friends from National Audubon and BirdNote, we'll link you up. We'll also connect you to a cool little video starring a female tailor bird constructing her nest. In effect, sewing it together. It's a very short video, but definitely worth watching. At least we think so. And thanks to our friend and amazing photographer Moira Ashley, we have one of the finest photos of a red-tailed hawk that we've ever seen. It's right there. That's some of what we have for you on our Facebook page right now. And don't forget, you can find uh, some of those stories uh, through an online search if you're not a Facebook follower. Blog. Yes, on our blog this week, we offer more detail about the insect study that we mentioned in our show on Sunday, October 22nd. 
Insect populations are declining dramatically, and that's bad news for birds and for people. More about it on this week's blog, easily found at TalkinBirds.com. And that sweet melodic sound is that of our mystery bird. This is a preview of our mystery bird contest. We'll conduct the contest itself a little later in the show. We want you to be ready to call in. So we're letting you hear that or making you hear it. Uh, but uh, playing that clue, and this is another clue. Our mystery bird is a large soaring bird found mostly in the southern U.S. and down to Mexico and beyond, although it has been expanding its range well up into the northeast states in recent years. Our bird is mostly black. It has broad wings with large whitish patches at the tips, a short square tail, and a dark gray unfeathered and wrinkled head. It feeds mainly on carrion, although it also scavenges for fish and vegetable material and sometimes will take small live animals. Let's just listen for a moment. Hard to get away from that. That's our mystery bird. We'll do the actual contest in uh, just a little bit. Let's see. Um, well, our ambassadors program, we mentioned about our friend Elias in New York City, our youngest ambassador. Whatever your age and wherever you are, we hope you'll join our ambassadors program. Pretty easy to do. Just click on the contact button at TalkingBirds.com and choose the Become an Ambassador option. We'll send you some of our cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors and associates uh, to spread the word about the program and about birds and conservation. So once again, just uh, choose the ambassador option via the contact button at TalkingBirds.com. Well, still to come on our show today, we'll welcome two guests from down in the lower Rio Grande Valley of Texas. We'll also catch up with our man Mike O'Connor from a far off from their place. That would be Cape Cod, Massachusetts, in our Let's Ask Mike segment. I believe uh, Mike has something kind of Halloween-themed uh, for Let's Ask Mike today while helping a listener in the process. We'll also give away another fabulous feeder from Droll Yankees, makers of the world's best bird feeders. And up next, a bird we're hoping to see at our bird feeders across much of the lower 48 this winter is today's featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching Magazine has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. They call our featured feathered friend Greedy Beak or the habit of descending on feeders in big flocks and emptying those feeders in no time flat. But folks don't seem to mind because the greedy beaks are beautiful. With their yellow and black and gray and white plumage and rather regal bearing. With their enormous bills, these birds can crush seeds that are too large for smaller finches like common red poles and pine siskins to open. These smaller birds often seek out the greedy beaks and glean the food scraps they leave behind. Our featured feathered friend is a songbird without a song. It doesn't seem to use any complex sounds to attract a mate or defend its territory, although it does produce some buzzy chirps like this. The bird is the evening grosbeak an irregular or eruptive winter migrant, moving south to many parts of the lower 48 in big numbers in some years and in very small numbers in other years. 
In the mid-1800s, evening grosbeaks were uncommon to rare east of the Rockies, but then they began moving eastward with each winter migration, reaching Rhode Island in the early 1900s. By the 1920s, they were considered a regular winter visitor in New England. It's thought that this eastward expansion may be connected with increasing numbers of ornamental box elder trees, whose seeds provide a steady food supply for the grosbeaks. In your backyard, they're attracted to sunflower seeds, where they tend to prefer platform feeders. In summer, evening grosbeaks eat insects, like the spruce budworm, which is a serious forest pest. And they're so good at finding these little caterpillars that they often provide a first warning that a budworm outbreak is underway. Why evening grosbeak? Well, early English settlers noticed the birds singing after sundown and apparently assumed that they sang at that time only. French speakers had maybe a better name for the bird, le grosbec errant, the wandering grosbeak. But the misleading evening name has stuck. The evening grosbeak, Cocothrostes vespertinus. Today's Talking Birds featured Feathered Friend. Thanks again for being with us here on our show, number 648. As always, uh, the invitation to visit our website, TalkinBirds.com, and uh, check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Talkin' Birds. The topic for our show this morning is birds and borders, and we're about to welcome two guests from an area that is justly famous for its bird life and that is very close to a border where a proposed wall may threaten the survival of birds and many other creatures. It's the lower Rio Grande Valley of Texas, and our guests are with us from the Santa Ana National Wildlife Refuge. Barbara Vocal is a great birder from here in Massachusetts, and she's the moderator of the Mass Bird Email Forum. And Jim Chapman is vice president of the Friends of the Wildlife Corridor, in support of the Santa Ana and Lower Rio Grande Valley National Wildlife Refuges there in South Texas. Good morning, Barbara and Jim. Hi, Ray. How Good are morning. You? Good morning. I'm glad we have both of you on there. Thanks to our man, Tim, merging these calls for us here. Barbara, let me start with you. Uh, we met up there in the valley a couple of years ago on sort of parallel trips. And you and your husband, Steve Moore, are back once again to see what you can see. I imagine the green jays are on the list, certainly, and plain chachalacas as kind of the, the easy ones. Uh, what, else oh, yes. can you re- what else can you report on? Well, uh, certainly here are great kiskadees, and there are lots of specialties down in South Texas. If you're a birder and you're heading to South Texas, of course, one of the places you're going to go to is Santa Ana, which a lot of us birders refer to as the crown jewel of the National Wildlife Refuge System. So we're hearing a lot of the usual a great place for migratory birds, uh, pasturans, warblers, uh, waterfowl, and it's a great place for search for rarities. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, I saw on the bird reports that there were reports of crimson-collared uh, grosbeak, um, uh, what else, northern beardless tarantulas, and certainly over the years there have been uh, specialties like northern chicana, uh, blue bunting and other rarities. So this is a, a beautiful remnant part of the South Texas habitat, most of which has been uh, developed or is in agricultural use at this time. Mm-hmm. Well, that brings us to Jim to tell us uh, what makes the lower Rio Grande Valley so great as a birding destination. And uh, 
And we'll talk about some of the challenges there, Jim. Well, it's, uh, I guess what makes it great is there's a huge plant diversity here um, because it, you're really in the subtropics, so you're getting um, a plant species, probably 25% of the plant species here occur no further north, so you're getting a lot of subtropical species as well as your temperate species from the north, and you get a desert um, influence from the west, and um, because of the tremendous plant diversity, you have a, a large insect diversity, and that, of course, uh, draws in all kinds of bird species, plus you have two, two major migratory corridors that, that kind of funnel down from the central United States down here along the Gulf Coast um, to Mexico and Central America. So all these things um, bring a lot of bird species here. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's quite a draw. Well, as Barbara suggested, the uh, challenge is always a concern about dwindling areas of natural habitat and increasing development pressure of various sorts. Uh, but now there's another threat uh, beginning to loom over the area, quite literally, uh, I guess, in fact, at this point. Tell us, Jim, about your fears concerning the proposed wall at the Mexican border and uh, what you're trying to do about it, if anything. Well, um, you know, parts of it were actually built in 2008, 2009. Um, and um, although Santa Ana and the eight or nine miles on either side of it, has, there has not been a wall built. Um, but what's especially um, worrisome this time is that um, most of Santa Ana is within the river levee. There's a, a levee system um, along the river. Um, so because about once every 10 years, the river goes into flood and it comes, goes out of its, comes out of its banks and spreads out until it reaches the levee. And, of course, that's to protect the surrounding uh, towns and farmland from from flooding. Mm -hmm. And that system's been here since the early 30s. Um, But it's an earthen levee. And what they want, what the plan is, that they're going to put a concrete wall on one side of the levee that's about 18 to 20 feet high. Mm-hmm. vertical wall and um, and then with uh, heavy what they call a bollard steel fence on top of that um, what's lots lots of problems with that but probably the worst problem is that when the river goes into flood um, with that 20 foot concrete wall no terrestrial animal of any kind will be able to escape mm-hmm. And uh, they, they literally have no way to go. And, you know, the, the refuge that was created in 1943 to protect and sustain them will become a death trap mm-hmm. because there will, be, there will be no way out. That's the worst. I mean, there's no, there's no design for a wall that's worse than the one that they are proposing. Mm-hmm. And so we have been fighting that. Um, of course, any wall will, will block the movement of any larger animals because you've only got about a four-inch space between the the steel bollards. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's gonna, any any of those designs are going to be bad, but that what's called a levee wall is the, the worst, mm-hmm. and that's what they're planning on doing. Mm-hmm. So we have been uh, trying to 
despite that, um, a group of us went to Washington about 10 days ago to um, basically to lobby uh, congressional and Senate staffs and let them know about Santa Ana and the damage that that wall would do. And it's not actually just Santa Ana because Lower Rio Grande Refuge is, is a corridor of refuge tracks along the last 250 miles of the Rio Grande. And there's over 80 refuge tracks that are on the river. And this levee wall would would uh, impact all of them. In some cases, it would slice through the middle of them. In some cases, it would um, keep, it would kind of enclose them within the river, or there are some that tracks that are outside the levee, so their wildlife would have no access to the river. Yeah, so let's we're real short on time. Uh, Barbara or Jim, give us a little uh, suggestion for what folks can do to help what you're doing. Right. Well, there may not be public access to part of this area as well, and um, certainly um, the concern is around biodiversity and the tremendous amount of investment the government's already put into restoring this. But one thing you can do is call your legislators and representatives on the federal level, tell them that you oppose the physical wall and the proposed 150-foot clearance on one side of the wall. That would be a devastating effect. You can also send emails to your representatives. And, and another thing to try is letters to the editor in your local community that uh, legislators pay attention to public opinion. A lot of this is being fought in the, in the uh, venue of public opinion. And many people in the Northeast and other parts of the country don't understand how beautiful this part of the country is and how precious this habitat is that Jim is talking about. Barbara Volkel, traveling birder for Massachusetts and Mass Bird Forum moderator, and Jim Chapman, vice president of the Friends of the Wildlife Corridor, joining us this morning from Alamo, Texas. Thank you, Barbara and Jim. Enjoy some good birding and keep up the good work. Thank you. Well, thank, thank you very much. Coming up here next, it's our Mystery Bird Contest in just one minute. Now a word from our friends at Birdwatching Magazine. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Want some tips on backyard birding? Birdwatching Magazine has published a handy booklet that's yours to download for free. The 16-page guide includes practical field-tested answers to your most important questions about the birds in your backyard, from food to birdhouses, from those cute hummingbirds to those troublemaking birds. Go to birdwatchingdaily.com to get your backyard Q&A booklet. More than 100 million wild animals are killed each year illegally. Poaching is a major threat to our country's wildlife. I'm Tom Barry. I'm an actor with a desire to preserve living space for wildlife. The Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust does just that. Works with private landowners to protect wildlife, to preserve natural habitats. To learn more or to work with the Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust, call 800-729-SAVE. That's 800-729-SAVE. Or visit wildlifelandtrust.org. Thank you. Talking Birds is made possible in part by the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, a world leader in the study, appreciation, and conservation of birds. Please check them out at birds.cornell.edu. You are eligible in our Mystery Bird Contest if you haven't won here on our show within the last six months. We have a fabulous feeder from Droll Yankees. Um, I'm going to say maybe one of the most popular. It's the Droll Yankees Observer Window Feeder. Let you see the birds up close with an unobstructed view attaches right to your window and it really does stay on there real well those three strong suction cups 
holds two cups of seed or fruit or suet or mealworms. That's our beautiful prize, uh, and you could win it even if you don't get the right answer because the drawing will determine our winner if no one quite nails it. 781-837-4900 is the number, and with apologies, here's the sound of our mystery bird. It's a large, soaring bird found mostly in the southern U.S. and down to Mexico and beyond, although it has been expanding its range well up into the northeast states in recent years. Our bird is mostly black, and it has broad wings with large whitish patches at the tips, a short square tail, and a dark gray unfeathered and wrinkled head. It feeds mainly on carrion, although it also scavenges for fish and vegetable material, and sometimes will take small live animals. That would be our mystery bird. Tell us what it is, or take your guess at 781-837-4900. That's 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, Mike O'Connor will tell us things that chirp in the night. That's Let's Ask Mike live in just one minute. Talking Birds, we're for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about birds and conservation. My name's Randy Alberts, and I'm calling from Austin, Texas. I decided to become a Talking Birds ambassador because it was a simple, no-brainer way for me to feel part of the birding community. It makes me feel like I'm part of something bigger. Talkin' Birds listeners, we hope you'll become a Talkin' Birds ambassador. Just visit our website, TalkinBirds.com, click on the contact button, and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. That's the contact button at TalkinBirds.com. And thanks. Well, we're pretty Texas-oriented uh, this morning, uh, it seems like, so see if we can geographically balance that out a little bit. With this visit to Cape Cod, Massachusetts, where Mike O'Connor awaits somewhere in the dark forest near Orleans, Massachusetts. Good morning, Mike. <laughs> you know, I was going to talk about uh, mystery sounds at night because it's Halloween, but nothing's creepier than that mystery bird you just played. Holy smoke. That thing is uh, kind of kind of scary. Whoa, look out. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I, I locked the door. I locked the door when I heard that. <laughs> Yeah, so... Um, well, here's what I got going on. I get people asking me stuff, in the, especially in the fall. They hear birds singing at night, or they hear this bird call at night, and it drives them crazy. Yeah. And, and it happens every fall, and they hear this, this one note, and they try to, you know, and birds do sing in the spring. A few birds sing in the spring, like mockingbirds sometimes, robins sometimes, song sparrows. Mm. But this time of year, they typically don't. Of course, we have the owls that, that will be hooting a lot. But this is just this is just one note. Well, yeah, there's a weird that's sound. That's not it, is it? No, that wouldn't be it. We just found this one. This That's actually a flammulated owl. So, and uh, that's from out west. So that's probably yeah, not yeah. there on Cape Cod. No, probably not. But it you had... But you had I, I could double-check that, but I don't believe it was a female. But you had masked owl. boobies there recently, so who knows? <laughs> it's all going on here. Gosh, yeah. But what we've got here, and I, I get this every spring, and people get mad at me when I say this, but I said, what you people are hearing when you hear this one note at night is uh, spring peeper. The little mm. frogs that we hear, big chorus in the spring and make all that sound, and, and loud sound in the spring, well, 
the frogs disperse, and sometimes one of the males will sing a little bit even in the fall by itself, and then you hear just that one little toot note, that little that you hear yeah. people assume it's a bird, and then when I tell them it's a frog, they get mad because they want frogs to sound like green frogs or bullfrogs. Yeah. And when they hear that one note, and it's uh, they envision some kind of mystery surprise bird. But it's basically the frogs dispersing into the trees, into the leaf litter in the fall, and once in a while one male will sing a note, and then uh, you know they get all excited about it. But it's basically, if you hear that note, it's, it's, it's going to be a a tree frog of some kind, probably a spring mm. peeper. Could you uh, give us that uh, note again? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> My lips are chapped. That's oh, the best as I can do. Oh, that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. I might, that could be my next career choice. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. We will talk to you next week. Sounds groovy. Talk to you later. Uh, all right, Mike O'Connor okay. down there at the famous Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, Massachusetts. The Amazon's rainforest is being cut down so fast that by 2030, 55% of it could be completely wiped out. The Earth's forest can't speak up when they need help, but we can. Be the voice for those who have no voice. Visit worldwildlife.org. If we continue to consume our natural resources at the rate we do now, by 2050, it could take three Earths to meet our needs. The Earth can't speak up when it needs help, but we can. Be the voice for those who have no voice. Visit worldwildlife.org. Back here at the Mystery Bird Contest, Tim, should I play the sound of this bird again, or have we just heard enough? Of, uh, oh, it's so charming. You should play it again. Just one more time? Oh, it's, All right. It's adorable. We'll definitely won't play it next week. Uh, no, no, please don't. Okay. So there it is, our mystery bird, a large soaring bird found mostly in the southern U.S. and down to Mexico and beyond, although it's been expanding its range well up into the northeast states in recent years. It's mostly black, broad wings with a large whitish patch at the tips, a short square tail, a dark gray, unfeathered and wrinkled head. It feeds mainly on carrion, also scavengers for fish and vegetable material, and will sometimes take live animals. That would uh, be it. We are so west, westerly, western-oriented um, this uh, the, today uh, on the show. We have, um, I know we have a caller from Glendale, California. We have a caller from Tucson, Arizona. We going first, though, to a, a more a local to us call. That would be Joe in, in Braintree. Good morning, Joe. Hey, good morning, Ray. How are you? Doing well, thanks, Joe. What about that mystery bird? I'm going to give a guess on a turkey vulture. A turkey vulture. Tim is uh, kind of... Oh. That would seem to indicate that is not exactly the right answer, but we'll see if nobody gets the exact answer, uh, Joe. You could still be in the running. Okay, thank you very much. Enjoy the show. Thank you, Joe. Let's go to Yvonne in Glendale, California. Good morning, Yvonne. Good morning, Ray. How Good, are you today? Um, well, thank, I think you're one of our Talking Birds ambassadors. Am I right? Uh, yes, that's correct. Well, I just gave out some more of your cards yesterday. Oh, that is so wonderful. Thank you, Yvonne. <laughs> well, let's see if we can uh, give something back to you in the form of our prize on the Mystery Bird Contest. Can you identify our Mystery Bird if we promise not to play the sound again? Yes. <laughs> I think it's a black vulture. I think uh, it might be a black vulture. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly correct. Nice going, Yvonne, and thank you again for uh, being a Talking Birds ambassador. Would you like to encourage other listeners to do the same? Oh, yeah, I totally. The, if there are any states out there that don't have ambassadors, you should totally sign on because it, uh, people are very excited to hear about a quality show like Ray's and... Uh, I just love the emphasis on conservation and the information on the 
species and, of course, listening to Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Even Mike? Okay. Well, that is lovely. Uh, we should send you two bird feeders, but uh, I think we'll, ju- we'll just send you one for now. Okay, thank- that sounds great. Thanks, Yvonne. Stay on the line there. We'll make- thank you, Ray. Thanks. We'll make arrangements. Yvonne in Glendale, California, correctly identifying the black vulture as our uh, mystery bird. Um, Okay. Uh, If you're wondering who dominate, by the way, between a black vulture and a turkey vulture that uh, Joe mentioned, the answer apparently is the turkey vulture. However, black vultures rarely travel alone, so flocks of them can quickly take over a carcass and drive the more solitary turkey vultures away. At least that's what they uh, tell us, and I guess we believe that. Just a quick reminder, I don't know if we mentioned this last week, but on November 26th, we have a really amazing guest, Noah Stricker, who just recently broke the big year international bird uh, record, the big year, the biggest big year. Wait to hear how many bird species he observed and reported. It's hard to believe, but true. That's on November 26th, and we'll have another great show for you next week, so we hope you'll join us then. Thanks to Mark Duffield, Debbie Bleacher, and our engineer Tim McKenney, and extra help this morning from Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. Happy Halloween. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans Cape Cod. BirdWatchersGeneralStore.com by L.L. Bean inspiring you to get outdoors LLBean.com by Celestron offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels Celestron.com by Birds and Beans shade-grown bird-friendly coffee BirdsAndBeans.com and by Chimani visiting a national park let Chimani guide you Chimani.com <laughs>